0: Denver Ad School is filled with passionate creatives from all different backgrounds. In this episode, I sat down with art director Gabby Sternad. Gabby shares what it was like growing up in a small town in the mountains, how she loved creative things as a kid but didn't consider herself a creative person, and how this led to her starting off her career in events before she learned about advertising. My name is Jeff Ullery, and this is Journey to Ad. So I came across a photo of the newspaper you made for class. Yes. <laughs> uh, peaches. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could kind of share like its origin and what it was like to make that. Just because it seems so cheeky and fun.
1: It is cheeky. It
0: is quite cheeky. It
1: is super <laughs> cheeky. Um, okay, so really backing up the assignment was to make a newspaper like whatever you wanted. No restraints on the subject, anything you wanted. Okay. And I don't know, I feel like in some of campaign's classes, I was doing more serious work. So I knew I wanted to do something like more playful, fun, a little bit more like girly, I would say, but I didn't really know what that was going to be. And so then I was riding home with Sabrina and the song came on, it was called Peaches. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make my newspaper about butts. she was like yes you have to and then I was I was like second guessing I was like over the whole weekend I was like is that weird because so I come from a background (laughs) where you like you don't it's very professional like it's very like there are certain things you talk about even in your quote portfolio of work it's just everything is super professional you can still be creative it's just like there There, are boundaries there's a filter
0: on it and everything yes yeah
1: So, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, whatever, I'm gonna make my newspaper out butts. And so, I mean, honestly, that's the story. And then I just got like so into it. I did so much research on why the hell butts are so popular right now. Like, who has the best butts? I made my own definitive ranking of who I personally (laughs) think have the best butts. Like, what else did I do? I made like a weather chart for the best, like, I, I called it beach bums, and it's, like, where you could, like, show your ass off on the beach and, like, what the weather's like there, and, yeah, and I realized, like, I don't know, I I realized how much other things out there have the name Peaches, like, whether it's songs or just, like, I don't know, like, the peach emoji, how it became, like, the butt emoji and, like, sure. the origin of that and just, like, the articles I put in there, like, it was probably the most fun I've had on a project. Like, I loved every second of working on it. And now I'm, like... So, I have this idea, and I think I'm going to... Obviously, if the girls in my quarter don't want to do it, or anyone in the school, then that's fine. But I mm. had this idea. I wanted to shoot it this summer, but then, obviously, COVID. Yeah. But I think I actually want to shoot it in winter, where there's, like, girls... I think I might use Sabrina's pool. And they're all, like, lined up reading it at, by the pool, but in winter. So, it's, like, freezing, but they're... Hot because of their butts. And then that would be like how I shoot the, ma- the newspaper. So <laughs> that's the story of peaches. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's so fun.
1: Uh, yeah, it was really fun to make.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Okay. It's so small. It's 10,000 people. I've been there once. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It was so funny when, when you posted that, I was like, this is a whole new... This is a whole new world for me. Like, seeing you drive by, like, the one main street that yeah. Steamboat has, seeing you pull up to the DMV, the, that DMV never has any lines. <laughs> if you if you need something, it's maybe worth the three-hour drive. But, yes, I grew up in Steamboat. Yeah. It was great.
0: It seemed like a cool town. Like, it, it's not that big, but it's very pretty from the hour that I spent there.
1: Yeah, I feel <laughs> honestly so lucky to have grown up there. I mean, yeah. I think... I think there was obviously with any small town, there's pros and cons, but it's crazy. My best friends are the friends I met in preschool still Wow. for the most part. I mean, it's just like my graduating class was 140 people. And so you really, you really get to know people. And while there's maybe not as a diverse profile of people that you're getting to know, it's Mm -hmm. like you go through, you, you are growing up literally with the same exact people in every class you know, everyone knows each other, which is, you know, it can be bad too, but
0: (laughs) pros and cons. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: exactly. So I loved it. I mean, four seasons, like every, all of the outdoors grew up skiing. And just, I feel like the opportunities I had there to just like, honestly, like really be a kid, like there, I didn't ever have a curfew. It was just like, I don't know. There was so much trust and community and, like, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a kid and, like, yeah. that is literally what Steamboat is. Like, it's, like, okay. you just feel like, yes, you have your family, but then your neighbors are also, like, your family. And it's just, it was it was really nice to go up there.
0: Did that fuel, then, a love for the outdoors just kind of with it right on your doorstep?
1: Yes, definitely. I feel like, so I went to college in California and it was, like... I mean, I wanted to get out of steamboat. Like I think that was my goal, and and honestly, at that age, I think going to college, I I didn't appreciate how much, or I didn't recognize how much I needed the outdoors. So I really had my sights set on California, and where I went, it was like there was outdoors. You you had to drive, and I was so unused to this. I was like, wait, I can't just go out my my back. My back door, and like, like I have to take and make an effort to like look up the hike, yeah. Figure out where I'm going, and I think being in California made me really realize, like, a what a privilege it was to have that, mm-hmm. and then be how much I need that in my life. Like the second I could move back to Colorado, I did. Like I was just like, I need the seasons, I need the mountains, and now I want to move to Austin, so I'm I'm like. <laughs> I'm all over the place, but... A little
0: different vibe there, probably. Honestly,
1: I can't describe it. It doesn't make any sense, but, like, the second I, like, went there, I was like, I need to live here. Yeah. Even if it's for a short time. Like, I think that's... I think that's also my MO. I'm like, now I know what I value, and now I know that I need those things, but if I move there, I have to seek them out, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, I think Colorado is, like, the long-term thing. Like, it's, like, the forever thing. Okay. But I feel now that I'm, like, in a place where I want to spread the branches a little bit more. But yes, it did foster a love for the outdoors. Fair
0: enough. What is it about Austin that draws you there?
1: Oh my God. People have asked me that and I I cannot describe it. But like the second... So, okay. So I've only been there one time also, which I know sounds crazy, but this is how I live my life.
0: I've I've been there once. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it leaves an impression.
1: Yes. And okay. So, and the only reason I went there is because when I quit my job before uh, portfolio school, I, my boyfriend and I were like, what's the cheapest Southwest flight? And it was Austin. So we're like, great, let's go. And it's honestly, I cannot describe it. I was just like, this, the first place we went, the people we met, Like, I felt like we were making friends immediately. Not that, it's not that in Denver. It just felt different. And it just felt like these are our people. And... The city felt so, like, welcoming. I have, like, a couple friends there, but we didn't even see them. Like, I just felt like we, like, I felt like it was, like, sucking me in. Like, taking me. And I was like, yes, I must live here. And, yeah, I think I just really like the culture and the community and, I never, ever, ever would have pegged myself for living in (laughs) Texas, but Austin does not feel like Texas.
0: Yeah, I feel like the cities of Texas don't really feel like Texas, or at least like Austin, and some of them don't, so...
1: Yeah, because, like, (laughs) I'd been to Dallas before, and that was fine, but it still felt, like, Southern or, you know, like, cowboy boots all all abound. Mm. And Austin, it has that, certainly, but...
0: It's more cool.
1: It's, yeah, literally. <laughs> actually, yes, yes. And then also career-wise, I feel like I was noticing. So, so I like took stock of that. I was like, wow, there's something really telling me that I I want to like be here and like not just visit here. Mm-hmm. And then I started like noticing that places like Apple or Tesla or these like big companies are kind of dissolving their main headquarters on the coasts and like creating new headquarters in Austin so I'm like wow you know I wonder if that means that there's going to be more opportunity there because that was like my big thing is you know I I I do want to have good opportunity for career growth if that's somewhere I wanted to be sure um but because of those places moving there and like you know those are big accounts for the agencies there. And now there's there's two agencies that I would consider are, like, very top-level, can compete with the rest of them, which I think is, is great. Like, I like that they're smaller. I, I don't consider myself, like, a huge agency person. I just don't. But I still want to do really good work. And so I think that's what those agencies in Austin are doing. And so as I've, like, progressed through the program, it's just been more of, like, wow, I really think, like, This is where I want to be.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Are you a live music lover?
1: Yes. I I feel like if I when I if we move to Austin, like it will happen more. I I would say it's like it's something I do. It's not like I seek it out. Okay. Like somebody else will be like, oh, we got tickets to this, and I'll be like, okay, I'll come. Like I don't seek it out for myself necessarily, but but I'm always there. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I know. I went there just for, like, a a long weekend trip with some good friends, and, like, we just went from place to place, Mm -hmm. and there was live music in every bar, and apart from this one guy who completely ruined uh, A Thousand Miles. Oh, uh, God. Apart from that, it was all great.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. There's gotta be that one, though, you know? (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, even then, there was, like, I honestly don't remember the name of it, but it was, like, this little dive bar that we went to every day and they had like the best musicians there and I was like I honestly didn't even know about Austin before I went there really I feel like that's what Austin's known for I knew nothing I had one friend in college that was from there and I knew that she had her little shirt that said keep Austin weird but that's literally (laughs) all I knew and fair enough yeah
0: apart from the outdoors growing up what sorts of hobbies did you have
1: well, I feel like I was really, so naturally as a kid, I was really, really into art, like fine art. Like I okay. always, that was my favorite class in school. I always like wanted the little palette or like the, it was like a little suitcase of all the <laughs> colored pencils and pastels and all of that stuff. And then I think as I grew up, I was like, well, that's fun, but I don't know if I, I, I wish more people not knew career. about advertising because yeah. I'm like. Then, you know, if there's a path to it, you're like, oh, okay, whatever, I'll still explore this. But mm-hmm. so I would say that I got really into, like, again, more of the fine arts. I was really into dance. And I don't know, it's, I mean, Steamboat's so small, but there's a really good performing arts kind of like camp school there called Perry Mansfield. And so I used to do that every summer. It was like a live-in camp. Jessica, who's married to Justin Timberlake? Jessica Beale? Sounds right. Yeah. She went there. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, it's pretty legit. But yeah, I think it was more of like the the fine arts, like reading, writing, that kind of thing were always my hobbies. And it's really funny because both of my parents are accountants. And so they're like, (laughs) where the hell did this child come from? Like, I'm off doing my little like fucking whatever I don't know streamer dance and they're like crunching their calculator <laughs> in the corner but my
0: yeah. uh my dad is a statistician and yep. my mom taught college math mm-hmm. so I was good at math but I came out an English major so yeah go figure
1: yep no I was awful at math there was a minute when I wanted to be a doctor I did all the pre-med situation and then I was like I actually really hate blood so this one's not for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good realization. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I would say those are... I did kind of like everything. Like I feel like yeah. I was a little bit of a dabbler. Like I don't... I think in a sense of going really far into something in Steamboat, like that wasn't a thing. Like so you kind of had to be a dabbler. Like okay. I, I played tennis. Like I did, you know, you could do a lot of things. But if you wanted to do one thing and that's your only thing, you not you didn't have to be in a big city. But if you like really wanted to pursue it... Steamboat wasn't necessarily the place for that, sure. unless it was skiing or like a winter.
0: Sport. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so then, kind of growing up, did you know that you were a creative person by like having like dance and reading and writing and fine arts, like all that, like being in your your interest in your wheelhouse, like was creativity something that mattered to you?
1: Yeah, I think definitely. I never like called myself creative though I wouldn't say that I like had that label on myself other people would say that about me but I never I don't know it's not like I it never became a part of my identity because I also I think what's interesting about me is I also have this maybe probably because of my parents have this very analytical side of myself where it's like I have maybe a more I don't even know how to say that but like rigid process with creativity not rigid but like it's there's a structure to there's my like a creat- logical
0: approach to it kind of yeah, thing yeah
1: yeah and so I never resonated with this like free like free spirited creativity or like burning the midnight oil creativity or like like I actively would think about how I can do this in a creative way versus it coming to me like I think I, I still obviously have like the bursts of inspiration and and all of that stuff but it was more of a, like, I really enjoy this. I feel the most happy when I'm doing this. And so it was like a thing that I kind of like was strategic about in a way. If that makes I don't know. That sounds like a crazy person, I think. But yeah, I mean, I- We'll determine
0: I, at the end of the interview if you're a crazy person. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs>
1: like, am I a murderer? I'm not sure. <laughs> so I always consider myself creative. I just didn't call myself creative
0: okay. necessarily. Interesting. So then, you mentioned you went to school in California. You were thinking about pre med. Mm-hmm. Was creativity on your radar?
1: No, not at all. I I honestly until this year realized how much I put creativity on a back burner and how much it is like authentic to myself because I just didn't see a future with it necessarily. Besides hobbies, like I just didn't see how I could get paid to do it. Then I found events in college and I was like, okay, well, this is a way I can be creative. I can think in this you know, unique way of how do you create experiences for people that are memorable or speak to the brand or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, that's the only route I saw that allowed me to do anything creative but also have a stable income. And so that's why... I mean, I, I, I didn't quite totally let go of, like, the science side. Like, I also studied nutrition because I just oh, really, okay. I just really like, I like, that's what I'm saying. I'm, like, maybe a contradiction because I'm, like, I like the structure, but I choose to, I, I feel more comfortable in the creativity, I it, guess.
0: It sounds like you're very, like, equally, like, right brain, left brain.
1: Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I would say so. Where
0: it's, like, that logical side And that maybe more creative side aren't necessarily at odds, but they're, like, one isn't taking the backseat to the other,
1: really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so then I think, like, the further I got into my degree, the more I was, like, ugh, I just, I can't, this is boring. It wasn't, it was just, like, it was hard, but.
0: Are you speaking about the nutrition right now? Nutrition. So, like,
1: lots of chemistry, anatomy, all of that stuff. And I was like, this is fine, but it's just like it's not sparking joy, as Marie Kondo would say. <laughs> but yeah, and so then I got my internship for a really good events agency in LA and I liked it. Like I really enjoyed it. But I mm-hmm. think it was I think it was like what a lot of college grads feel. It was like, well, is this what I'm gonna do? Or like is it <laughs> like I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it, I was good at it, I got like I got a lot of reward from it, but I just felt like it wasn't the thing. Like, I hadn't figured out the thing yet. And I ended up working for them not very long, like, six months. And then I realized I really did not want to be in LA, like, California. And so I moved back to Steamboat to kind of, like, figure my shit out. And I worked at a fishing store in Steamboat. (laughs) It was literally the best job of my life, to be honest with you. Like, I got in at, like, 10.00. I left at 6. I knew nothing about fishing, yeah. but that didn't matter. People, (laughs) I I just, like, talked to people all day, and it was so nice. But that really made me – I don't know. It made me think about, like, do I want to be doing events? But I ended up getting a job here in Denver in events. I did that for three years, and it was wonderful. Like, I got to meet so many great people. Like, my best friends in Denver are from that job. I got to work with amazing clients, like, and brands. And I did really, really – cool work and I but I just it didn't matter like at some point I was just like this is fine but like I just need something else and I had no idea what that was gonna be like I was like I mean I could just I could just do this for my whole life and (laughs) it would be fine and then my friend Christy she's she's also from Steamboat so like I was saying best friends (laughs) from literally preschool she came to visit. she was living in Chicago going to CPS She came to visit Denver and she was like just showing me some of her pieces and talking about it. And I was like, wait, I think this is what I need to do. Like I did not know this was a career because she would always say I'm in portfolio school. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, that's great. I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) And she's like, she does like pencil sketch um, art as well. So I thought it was like a fine art portfolio. Like I did not, I did not. I mean, I didn't ask enough questions, but I didn't know. I was like, that's great for you. And so she started, I started talking to her about it more, and I was like, wow, I really, I hate the word advertising, but maybe I should look into this. And so then she was like, well, Heather, who's the director at CPS, is actually starting a school in Denver. Because I didn't know if I wanted to move. I was like, "Sure." I just don't know. There was a lot of unknowns. So she and I ended up getting drinks with Heather, fell in love with Heather. Who doesn't? I was like, you're amazing. Who are you? And she's so fun. She's so excellent. I'm yeah. like, I need you all the time around me. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, I left that, the, the like happy hour with her. And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like this is, this was
0: advertising was on the brain.
1: Yeah. I was just like, holy cow. I didn't, this is a whole new world. I had no idea about. Yeah. And so Heather told me when the application came out, I did it. I knew nothing. I look back at the stuff I submitted. I'm like, oh my God, that's embarrassing but whatever it was fine like I remember I was so nervous to leave my job because you know I was managing a team of like seven and they had no idea that I was doing this so I would like take my take my <laughs> little interview call to the school like all hush hush and I don't know I really think that for me at least not knowing was a a blessing like it was a lot of the ignorance is bliss like I didn't know what I didn't know and so it didn't yeah. hinder me in any way like I had no expectations for myself besides to show up and bring something. Like, I think (laughs) that was good because if I, I think if I had had any prior experience, I would have put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, make, I don't, you know, I'm in portfolio school. The goal is to have this great book. And, like, I think I would have put pressure on myself to, too much pressure on myself instead of just enjoying the process of learning. And so... Yeah, it was great. Like I knew, I literally knew nothing and I didn't even try. I I don't know. Like usually I'm a big like researcher and I was just like, I'm just going to go into this and be like, whatever, I'll figure it out. And then I broke my hand. Like, what? yeah, yeah, I broke my hand while I was, I took like a two week break from the time I quit my job to the time the program started and broke my hand in that time. And I was like, this is wonderful. I know nothing about Adobe. illustrator photoshop nothing and i have to learn this with a broken hand i had the cast was like i don't even know how to describe this in words but it was like my hand was at a 90 degree angle and Uh i had my pointer finger and my thumb that i could use (laughs) the other three fingers were in the cast and Jeez. so I literally had to use my pointer finger to design like it was the,
0: the typing. You were not taught as a child. Oh, like my... don't, don't just use two fingers and you're just there going like that.
1: Literally <laughs> like Sabrina the other day was like, remember when you were in class and you used to like elbow people because your hand had to be <laughs> fully upright. And I was like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing. Like, what did you guys think of me that I'm just this like disaster coming into this school? I don't know, but it was fine. That was unique. I was so nervous because I broke my hand and then I emailed everyone and I was like, is this going to be a hindrance? And everyone was so nice. They were like, no, you'll be fine, but you can read between the lines. They're like, that sucks. Like, good luck, kind of, you know?
0: So you were learning Illustrator and like learning Adobe stuff with a broken hand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But.
0: Was that annoying?
1: (laughs) So no, because I didn't know anything different. Like, I was like, this is how it works right now.
0: So, was it way easier, like, once you got the cast off?
1: So, yes, because I could use a mouse. Okay. But now, like, I was noticing it the other day, and if I'm really concentrating on something, it is by no means efficient. But I go back to that, like, stupid elbow-up setup, and I'm like, wow, I really, like, ingrained this function in myself. And I'm like, no, you should use your mouse. It's more efficient and more accurate. It's so dumb that I do that, but... Yes, it was easier once I got the gas kind off.
0: stuff. Gabby's journey to discovering advertising after working for a few years and switching careers is a recurring theme with the students at Denver Ad School. And hearing about the extra effort she put in to learn Adobe one-handed is just one example of how dedicated Gabby is to doing her best work in everything that she does. It's time for an ad break, but then we will be back for more with Gabby Sternad. Do you know what it's like to have your license expire during a pandemic? Let's just say it's less than ideal, and it's exactly what happened to me. I live in Denver, and my Missouri license expired on my birthday in August. So back in July, I made an appointment online to go into the DMV and get a Colorado license. However, the earliest day that I could get into the DMV was in early September, Mind you, this was not just the case for the DMV offices in Denver, but all DMV offices within two and a half hours of Denver. So, what does one do when this is the case? Why, you make a reservation to drive three hours one way to go to Steamboat Springs and their DMV office, and you get your new license there. Along the way, you'll be treated to scenic drives through national forests, and upon arriving in Steamboat, you will be surrounded by small-town mountain charms. Now, I know what you're thinking, is this trip worth repeating if there is not a pandemic going on? Probably not, but I have the video evidence to prove that I enjoyed my Steamboat DMV adventure, and I reckon you would too. We're back with Gabby, where she sheds some light on how her prior career in events affects her work ethic and creativity how she first navigated the mysterious world of an ad school and what she has learned about advertising as a student since she switched careers. I want to go back to talking about events because that seems like you were in there for a while. So that seems like it was important for you. So were you, were you having like studying events or like kind of communication stuff in college in addition to the nutrition or was that just kind of on the side?
1: So I did both. I did nutrition okay. and then I did communications. I didn't know what I wanted to do within communication. So it was my last like year and a half of school that I was like, oh, I think, I think I want to do events. And I mean, I-, I went to school in Orange, which is south of LA, but okay. it's just a very, that area is very, it's a big hub for events. And so I think once I got introduced to it, I just kind of like latched onto it and then yeah, went down that path.
0: For and four. so with you doing events, are you like coordinating them? Are you like on site as the events are happening? Are you coming up with the ideas for them? What all do you do to participate in that process?
1: My role when I first started, well, actually my role the entire time has been the, the conceptual piece of it. Sometimes it'd be on site, but the way that most, well, not most, but the agencies I worked at work is there's Sort of like two or three teams. One is like sales or creative, and then there's the operations. Those are the operations are on site, making sure everything runs smoothly. And that didn't really appeal to me. I wanted to be the one that created the experience. And sure. so, yeah, I was always on the creative team. And so that meant like when the client would, what I would be doing the pitching, I would be doing the, you know, proposal design, I would be doing everything from like menu to music to here's what the entrance should look like or here's what you know the coolest activation could be for your brand and I was on the corporate side so there were there was a huge variety of brands like we would work from work on things from like I don't know Orange Theory that was like very much brand related to things that more like uh I guess what you would see in advertising is like an experiential to things that are like more of a an award center for 50 executives at a I don't know finance company or something like that so it was really diverse I liked that yeah I guess that was my role like I, I and I really enjoyed that like I am not detailed in that way like I, oh, I hate planning. Like, I literally hate planning. People are like, <laughs> how did you do this? And I was like, well, I didn't have to deal with the logistics. Like, I would just be like, oh, I think this would look really pretty, or I think this would be a great idea. And then my, one of my very best friends, she was the operations director, and so I'd be like, can you figure this out? And she'd be like, probably. So then I would pitch <laughs> it, or she'd be like, literally no. And so then, she, then I wouldn't. And right. so... That was really nice to have that like collaborate like have that ability to to kind of blow out the ideas at the beginning knowing having that relationship with her and knowing xyz could be done or no it couldn't but yeah that was my role
0: okay so it sounds like i mean that was already kind of a creative role like there are elements Mm -hmm. of like advertising that kind of feed into that very much so with all this experience with events when it then came to kind of translating that to portfolio school and thinking about advertising, was there a real shift for you? Like, was it a different way of thinking? And then do you kind of think in like, I guess maybe does experiential stuff come naturally to you then? Like in terms of like how to like make a brand have like some sort of cool like gorilla advertising?
1: Yeah, so okay, so as far as the transition, I don't know, I don't know if it was necessarily a natural transition, but a lot of like the language is similar. Okay. And so so that was nice. But like for example, I had no idea I had no idea the language around what a big idea was. Mm. With with my events career, of course, the entire purpose of an event is to create connection around things that are like human connectors. So in that sense, yeah i guess it was similar but with an event a lot of the events i did were more of celebratory for internal people so like for orange theory they weren't trying to okay it wasn't a brand activation some of some of them were but the majority was for internal people so i'm not trying to sell the product orange theory it was a celebration of the people who work for orange theory gotcha so that was a little bit of a shift but in terms of I I definitely noticed that my – I think of stunt or, like, yes, things like that most easily. Like, print, I was like, what is that? Why do I have – what? And now I get it. Like, I'm like, oh, it's the easiest way to showcase your idea, and if you can do that well, it means, you know, you you have a strong idea. But I think at first, yeah, it was – It was just like my natural inclination because I'm like, well, this is a way of getting people all together, experiencing the brand in the way that the brand wants to be experienced kind of. So that'll be interesting though, because I was really excited to maybe get to work on more experiential stuff. But now with COVID, I think it's like, I mean, it's adjusting, but it's just not, I don't
0: know. It's not as much of a focus really. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: But I mean, it was, it was a pretty easy transition from that. I think once I figured out, okay, the, the way that advertising works is this, like, you know, insight, human truth, and then how does that creatively, how can you creatively convey that to the most people? There are parallels between that and events. It was just, sure. you know, it's just different executionally, I would say.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and I'm sure, too, like, with what you're describing, advertising is always rooted in some big idea mm-hmm. versus, For events, it sounds like it's maybe not as much focused on that. Like, there's not a a huge conceptual thought behind it.
1: No, it's more of, like... Honestly, the big idea would be, like, um, what's the feeling you want someone to have? Which is similar, but it it also was, like... So, every event I did was people traveling to Colorado. So, it was also, like, how can they experience Colorado in the best way for that demographic? So, I know I keep bringing up Orange Theory, but it just seems like an easy example. They're all very, like... Even though they're internal, they're all very internal with Orange Theory. They're all very active and they're pretty young. And so Um, it was, like, more of, like, socializing party vibes that feel like, how can you create something that's, like, a cabin retreat type feeling, but for 25-year-olds, you know? And so it feels like there's lots of booze and lots of, like, those, like, social opportunities or things that they're doing versus that, you know, 50 person executive dinner that's more like they just want to have a really nice meal and more like networking and that kind of thing so
0: yeah that makes sense
1: yeah there's different human truths within those I would say
0: right yeah right as you were working in events you were working events for several years right
1: yeah so I was there for just uh just under four years when I left okay yeah
0: were you doing creative hobbies in your own time throughout that
1: honestly not really like I I mean that was pretty much my biggest outlet of creativity it took a lot of my time and I feel like I that's kind of what I was saying earlier is I feel like I like lost my way of how important just extraneous creativity was or or maybe it was that I didn't feel like I have had the freedom to like be that creative because like I was saying it's a creative industry but there's so many boundaries around it when it's corporate
0: yeah
1: and so I kind of felt like okay you can be creative that's I guess any job but you can be creative within this box and I really think it like limited like even now I do um, consulting work for them and even now just going through this experience I feel like my ideas are better because I feel like I took the I am like, you don't need to have these boundaries. You know, your clients want to see the the crazy or weird or what. They could say no, but they want to see it. Sure. Yeah. And so in that sense, no, like I feel kind of guilty or weird or not like a creative saying that, that I didn't have hobbies. But I would say during during that job, my primary like hobby would be like, I guess cooking is creative. I don't know. Cooking and baking. Sure. Yeah. And like the outdoors.
0: Okay. Yeah. As you were starting out at, dad and kind of leading up to that were you worried at all in terms of like can I do this creatively or were you like this is what I want so it'll work out
1: I think it was a little bit of both but more on the worried side just because I was so unaware of what the industry was yeah yeah I think there was a lot of doubt in the beginning but The more I realized it, the more I'm like, well, I I really do want to do this. And so I'll figure out a way to like Mm -hmm. figure it out for lack of a better word. (laughs) But yeah, like I think especially we talked a little bit about this before, but my quarter is very, or I perceived that they were very like well versed in the industry. I, I was the only one that had absolutely zero design, Adobe, really like any industry experience. Yeah. I think I'm gifted in the sense of, like, visual style, which which obviously helped, but... I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of necessary. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think the first, like... And also, you don't know them personally yet. So, I think I was comparing myself a lot in the beginning. And then, you know, you start to establish friendships with people, and you're like, no, this is dumb. They're just figuring it out, too. Like, they don't actually... They may have more skills like hard skills going in but we're all just creativity is so wonderful in that way it's like it actually doesn't matter like you can have the idea and then you figure out everything else to work around it it's like and that's that's when I started realizing that I was like yeah it might take me longer or it might not look as good or whatever it might be but like those skills can be learned whereas the ideation of things I think that's what I tried to focus on the first quarter first couple of quarters to just be like the, the rest of it you can make it look better later or or figure out the skills but if I can figure out how to what my process is for like coming up with these ideas then that gave me a little bit more confidence as I started working through it but sure yeah it was I, I like looking back on it I don't I also think, again, like, the ignorance was bliss. I was just like, (laughs) whatever. Like, as long as I have something to show, I feel proud of that. Like, Yeah.
0: You've talked about, like, as a kid being interested in, like, the, the fine arts. And then you also talked about reading and writing. Did you have any sort of, like, was a decision to go into art direction or copywriting? Or did one just, did art direction really just speak to you?
1: I think Art Direction definitely spoke to me. I can write, but it takes me forever. Like, it is not <laughs> easy for me. Yeah. And I'm very much, like, a one-offer. Like, I could come up with a line or, like, a tag, and then I'm done. Like, I'm not yeah. going to adjust it. I'm not going to revise. I don't enjoy that. I, like, sit staring at my computer, and I'm like, I know what this needs to be, but I cannot figure out how to make it that, you know? <laughs> sure. And then Art Direction, I, like, enjoy- like I like, love searching Pinterest or, like, all of the little, whatever save sites where you save the inspiration mm-hmm. and and like I've always been so attracted to that and I just this is why I keep saying like I wish people knew about this career because yeah. it's like forever I've been attract like loved packaging loved it just like so much and I was like yeah I guess graphic designer but I just feel like I don't know that's not what I wanted to do but like there's other pieces of that or mm-hmm. you know type design I always like found myself being like oh that's a little off and people will be like what why do you even notice that you know and then I then I'm like oh okay well that's why and so definitely it was always going to be art direction I think
0: okay yeah did it feel familiar then to kind of like come into doing art direction like did it feel uplifting or fun or however like similar to like your art classes like did you have that kind of same excitement that came with it or did yes it- totally
1: like I think there's so much like I don't know I feel like I've seen all the memes about the creative process where it's like you want to throw your you know you're so excited then you get started then you want to throw your computer out the window (laughs) but then when you see it and you see it how you saw it in your head even though you couldn't like quite see it in your head then you just know and it's like this feeling unlike anything else and it's I think it holds me back a lot of times because I'll be like You know, I'll show something and people are like, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not what I saw in my head. And I'll know, like, I will be working on something and I'll know the second that I feel that it's like, yes, this is it. And that's when I get the best feedback too. And so it's like, I cannot describe what that is. Mm -hmm. It's not exciting to literally anyone else. But I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's, you just, you just know. And it's like, it's the most like tumultuous stressful thing getting to that place but once you do you're like oh like it just feels like it's yeah
0: it's yes. that joy right of mm-hmm. like having a creative thought and then to actually see it in the real world yes. as you intended
1: yes exactly with, with all
0: the work that went into it as well
1: yes 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 like I'm working on uh one of my campaigns and I am not kidding you I think I've done 12 different like maybe more like at least 12 different like print visual style designs okay. and it took me until last week to be like yep this is it I got it and I like you know it's so funny because this is also I think part of going through the program and just me learning about my creativity too I got feedback and the instructor was like yeah I think it's good but you know I'm having a hard time reading xyz and I'm like I'm not changing it. Like I love it. I'm like if I can read it enough, and enough people can read it, like I I will make minor tweaks, but I'm good with it where it is. Because if I, because I think that's also important. Like I think I've gone down the path of changing it so much to what somebody else thinks, and then I can't really speak to it. I'm like, well, I don't know why I did that. Somebody said I should do that. Whereas Mm -hmm. this piece, I'm like, I did X Y Z because of this. Like I have a very definitive reason for why I designed it this way. No one else, you know, like somebody led me to that sort Mm -hmm. of, or like pushed me in that direction. But I got to a place where I can really be like, yeah, I'm pumped about how this like looks. And I think it ladders up to the campaign and whatever. Yeah.
0: As someone who switched careers and has now spent a year kind of thinking about advertising and in school, what would you say you've learned and would want to kind of pass on?
1: I feel like the biggest thing that I would say for someone who is is like me and is in a, maybe they're in a creative industry or not, but they know that it's not quite right is to just like, I think it's cliche, but it was true for me, is to like think about what you like to do as a kid because there has to be something out there that's similar to that. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was advertising, which is, it still blows my fucking mind. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, what? But, but also, I feel so lucky to be in this time of advertising because I can't remember who said it. It was one of our guest speakers. It's, as, again, it's corny, but it's like, you can't just sell shit anymore. You just can't do it. It's just not going to work. Like, you have yeah. to have, an, like, this word is so overused with this you have to have authenticity. Like, is there actually a person that's like me behind this brand selling me this stuff? Like, I, yes, maybe I'm aware that you're selling me to it, but somehow I'm okay with that because I feel like I resonate with you or the person behind the campaign or what, whatever that is. I just, I feel lucky that it's not just by the shit. There has to be a purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and purpose advertising is, I guess maybe and I don't know it's like coming into its own and there has to be a reason more behind things and so
0: is that a particular interest to you is purpose advertising
1: I think so I thought so very much like in the middle of the program um but I'm really yeah so yes I think it is but I also think I need to have the fun because I get really like worn down and and exhausted by it very easily I, yeah. I i more feel more rewarding those campaigns feel more rewarding but i have maybe this is the wrong thing to say but i have more fun working on the other things so it's like i kind of think i have to have both
0: that makes sense yeah
1: yeah but anyway what i was gonna say is going back to like someone who may be in my position is to like if you're not sure what to do really think about like what you like to do and like there is something out there because if you honor that creativity or whatever it is in yourself, like, I never thought that I – I truly never thought I would be happy in a career. Like, I thought it would just be a career and just, like, a way to bring home a paycheck. Yeah. And now I'm, like – I literally, like, love this so much and I don't – know. like, I just never thought I would be that person. Like, I've always been super driven and super – whatever it is, I will do my best to do it well, whether that's working at a coffee shop or – being the creative director at this events agency, it doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna do my best. Sure. But here's something that I'm like, no, like I like I enjoy working on this. I could work for 12 hours on it, and I just feel so pumped up by it. Like I, it doesn't drain me in the same way. Like,
0: yeah.
1: that's what I would say about <laughs> that. Sure. I don't know.
0: Well, so that touched on something that I wanted to talk about too, where like I've so I've worked with you a little bit, and like you are like super driven, and you always seem to like bring your a game with things like gabby's just always on like when she like gets to class or like Mm -hmm. when she's bringing stuff in so props to you um thank you but so like does that is that coming from i guess just being excited and like passionate about the work and then my follow-up to that is what do you do to recharge so you can stay that driven about things
1: So, yeah, I think it is passionate about the work. Like, I think it's also, like, what I was saying earlier. I know, I know when it's the right thing that I want to say. And if it's not there, then I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. And so, it's probably problematic. (laughs) But it's just how I am. And I think I've learned to not necessarily fight it. Like, it's less active than I would say it used to be. Like, I can kind of think about it in the background. But, yeah, I just really like doing it. In terms of recharging, like, I would say... So... Okay, so I've had a bit of, like, unlearning through this, pro- this like, portfolio school because absolutely nothing bad about my old job, but I had to be on literally 24-7. Like, there was mm-hmm. no break. And so I think that it, it, it taught me, th- like, it taught me how to, not in a good way, to, like, con- con- constantly be working on things or, like, constantly be pushing, pushing, pushing.
0: Yeah.
1: And like I said to you, I really didn't have any hobbies. Like, work was literally my life. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I didn't want that in what I did next. And so, I think as I got into the program, I kind of, like, took the things that I felt, like, worked for me in that way. Like, the motivation, the drive, but also boundaries. And, like, just allowing myself to, to know that not every project is going to be my best or... And it's like it's so hard because I feel like there's this perception that it's like maybe I'm just extra hard on myself or whatever that is. Like there's a perception that I'm always on or but I will come to class and be like, I literally hate this or, you know, I, I don't know. And like I think that's where I've had to be gentler on myself and just be like, no, like I am like still learning. Like I think at my job I was expected to have all the answers, know it all not give time to, like, pause or reflect on something was working. Mm. It was just kind of, like, you're executing all the time. And I think there's parallels to that in advertising, but I think I've also learned through this program, like, you literally cannot come up with a good idea if you're not doing other things. Like, you have to live. And, yeah, so that's funny you say that because I really have had to unlearn that, unlearn this, like, always-on mentality. And I, I think I'm just a naturally, like, driven person. Like, I I... I'm very clear about what I want, and I am a loyalist maybe to a fault to that thing. Like, I'm, like, I'm very, like, blinders on, but at the end of the day, it's, like, I'm not forcing it out of myself, whereas I feel like at my job a lot of the times it was, like, this, like, drudgery or, or like, I knew I had to do that because I'd set this precedent that that's who I am, but now I'm just, like, no, I really, like, I really want to be doing this, like, and... Yeah, I think that's always going to be – that's always going to be a challenge for me. My parents are very much the same way. Like, mm. they're just super, super hardworking. And so, was like, my brother started his own company at 17, and it's just, like – it's just, like, my family is a little crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think also as I've grown older, there's this ability for, for me to, like – not try to fight that in myself and just uh, appreciate that about who I am. Because I think for a lot of, like, college or even high school, I would be like, oh, I don't want to talk about how, like, driven or motivated or I would just kind of, like, do it in the shadows and, you know, kind of, like, try to hide that side of me, kind of. But I, like, really like that side of me now. And so, yeah. Literally, I feel like this is therapy. I'm loving this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, you could have a side hustle as my therapist, my personal therapist.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I'll consider that. Maybe that'll be a second podcast. We'll we'll have follow-up episodes. with
1: Jeff. I love this.
0: And then we'll have like, you know, interspersed like meditation tapes as well. Oh, hell
1: yeah. I'm done with that. That sounds great. (laughs)
0: I have always been impressed with the level of craft that goes into Gabby's work, and it blows my mind that she started in Adobe and advertising a year ago. She's a natural. In this edition of Ask the Host, Gabby and I talk about podcasts, and a little bit about my career switch that brought me to Denver Ad School.
1: Well, I was going to ask you what your favorite podcast is, because I'm into podcasts, but I never know, like, I don't know. I need, like... I have, I feel like I have good, I don't know, for like weird things I like, like makeup or like things like that, but I need more, I guess a diverse, I want (laughs) want more diverse content.
0: So the first podcast that I really listened to and enjoyed was (gasps) Serial.
1: I did listen to that.
0: It's so good. So good. Yeah.
1: The first season was the best though.
0: Oh, by far. The second season I thought was good. Except for the fact that the first season happened, and so therefore, like, the first season is just so, like, magical and, like, how that story came about, it's literally how they perfect. followed it. it. It is so perfect that, like, nothing was going to be close to it.
1: Yeah, that's true. I should re listen to that one. Because I was, like, in the, the OG times of podcasts. Or, like, like, maybe not, but. I feel like, like that it. was,
0: like, the first, like, podcast that, like, blew up. Like, SNL made a spoof of cereal yeah. like, for a skit or whatever. Yeah. Because, yeah, like,
1: Joe Rogan was around, but, like, more like. I don't know. He was like niche, or like yeah. it wasn't like a huge thing. It
0: wasn't a widespread thing. Yeah. In preparation for this podcast, I've listened to WTF with Mark Marin a bunch. Okay. Which Jesse turned me onto that because he's like, your podcast is going to be very similar to this. So.
1: Interesting. Um, What's so? What is it about? So
0: the host Mark Maron essentially just sits down and has a conversation with all these different celebrities. And so originally it started out as, like, a comedy podcast, but now he talks to, like, everyone. Huh. So, like, Meryl Streep, John Goodman, like...
1: That's so John cool. Legend,
0: Winton Marsalis. Like, he talks to, like, a wide breadth of, like, people. And it's just, like, a conversation kind of, like, about their, their life. And he kind of explores kind of where they came from and where they kind of figured out what they valued. And just... Yeah. It's just kind of like a kind of, like, behind-the-scenes look at, like, people's lives and whatnot.
1: I need to li- Who is Mark Maron? How did he get that gig? That's insane. I
0: think he also was, like, a comedian actor, like, mildly uh, successful or okay. something. But, so, he's got, like, over a thousand episodes, I think. Like, he's been doing this for probably, like, ten years.
1: That's insane. Um, wow.
0: But that wow. one's fun because, like, you can kind of go and pick, like, whatever celebrities interest you. Yeah. And kind of, like, just hear about their stories and whatnot. Yeah.
1: That's really cool.
0: So those are probably... So yeah, Serial by far. I still listen to Mark Maron. I like pick and choose which ones I want to listen to there. Yeah. And then honestly, so my inspiration for doing a podcast was a friend of mine back in St. Louis uh, is like a video freelance video producer. Mm-hmm. And he and a friend of his started a podcast about the Hardy Boys books.
1: Oh my God. they like the... It was like Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys, yes. right? Yeah. And so
0: they do a chapter by chapter <gasps> analysis of the Hardy Boys. What? And like, I think I'm one of six listeners
1: <laughs> it seems very niche right? especially chapter and, by chapter
0: and it's like so much of it is like them going on tangents and whatnot. but because one of them is my friend I enjoy like hearing the tangents yeah, they go totally. on and they're just ridiculous but like the fact that like people I knew were doing a podcast I was like that's cool that's, I, I want to do that Yeah. so hence you're here now
1: <laughs> that's what I love about podcasts it's like Like, there used to be this idea that, well, it was, like, I guess news, right? I was, like, there's, or any TV. It's, like, there's this amount of hours in the day, this amount of programs that can be on these networks. And now it's, like, podcasting blew that up. Like, who cares? You can listen to whatever, whenever you want. And I think that's, like, I don't know. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Um, like,
0: that's the thing now for, like, so many celebrities are now, like, having, like, their own podcast. Like, TV shows have their own podcast. It's just, like. We're, we're in that age right now.
1: Yeah. It's like radio's dead, but not really.
0: Not it's really. Podcasts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. Well, okay. Cause I guess I don't really know that much about you. We literally I think worked together one time.
0: Yeah. Like we worked, I think we did like a sprint with Jesse once with Graciela. Mm-hmm. And then. Oh worked- my
1: God. That was so funny. I've, I laughed really hard during that. that what was, was it? Lift.
0: Uh, no. Yeah, the scooters. The scoots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scoots,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I had the one idea that was like, <laughs> scooters are the, uh, like, birds and cars are dinosaurs.
1: Yes, <laughs> and everyone was like, why do we like this? But we do. Yes. Yeah, no, that... That was good.
0: That was a throwback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apart from that... Yeah. We didn't really do a whole lot.
1: Well, I mean, I know you're interviewing me, but like, what's... You had a career before this too, right? Or no? Yeah. So
0: my brief history is that I was always creative growing up and didn't equate that to a career. Mm -hmm. And I went to college not knowing what I was going to do and kind of explored a little bit. And so I went to Xavier University Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati, which is a kind of like Jesuit liberal arts school. And I was all about that and, like, getting to, like, take a lot of different classes and kind of explore a lot of different things. And so I settled on being an economics and English double major. Mm-hmm. And your story kind of resonated with me in terms of, like, the nutrition was, like, like interesting, but it was work to do. That's kind of how I felt about economics. Like, I thought it was interesting and I enjoyed, like, that it was kind of, like, the critical thinking piece of, like, business But I wasn't passionate about it. My passion was definitely in English. Mm -hmm. And I applied to uh, a bunch of internships in Cincinnati during my junior year. And I applied to one at an insurance company for an underwriter intern. Hmm. And the reason I applied to it was because there was the word writer in it.
1: Yeah, I'm like, what is an underwriter? There's
0: not writing in
1: book. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I applied to it just because it had writer in there. And then I got a phone interview. I was like, all right, I'm going to read what this is. I was like, oh, this is not writing related. But this is kind of like risk analysis stuff. I was like, all right, I'll look into it. I had a good intern experience um, that summer. And so then I worked for about three and a half years as an underwriter for that same company and it was it's a good job but it's a very boring bland Mm. job and so I kind of in my free time was trying to fill my life with creative stuff but it wasn't enough Mm. and I didn't feel fulfilled at all by my job and so I was kind of trying to figure out what do I want to do that's creative but will still make me money and so like you I wish someone had told me advertising existed.
1: Totally.
0: (laughs) I wish I would realized it sooner. Like, granted, the timing of it couldn't have worked out better in terms of, like, dad being here. Mm -hmm. And I I grew up in St. Louis, went to school in Cincinnati, went back to St. Louis. So I'd always been in the Midwest, and I was looking for a chance to experience a different part of the country. And so Denver was, like, already top of my list. Mm -hmm. And then there was a portfolio school starting in Mm -hmm. Denver. I was like, all right. This is kind of written. I'm going to do this. So that's my my background in a nutshell.
1: Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that about, I mean, I guess that's probably not that uncommon at portfolio schools, but I feel like some of the bigger ones, there's a lot of people right out of college. Yeah. And so it's nice here that we have... Literally all kinds.
0: There's a good mix here, which I think is fun that it's like, it's not just people that are like, have lived and breathed advertising their entire lives. A lot of people have like discovered it later on, which I just think is so cool that there is kind of this like diversity of thinking and diversity of backgrounds. And that's absolutely needed to like create work that appeals to a variety of people.
1: Yeah. Like you need perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like what I was saying. I I don't think I could be... I couldn't work the same way that I did in my old job and then be successful in advertising because you need like life experiences and Not that I didn't have life experiences obviously I was living but like yeah, you need that perspective
0: and there's so many people here with those different perspectives and cool life experiences, you know?
1: I am so excited to listen to people's episodes. I'll be like, you don't know me, but you know me through my podcast, and I know you through your podcast. Exactly, right?
0: (laughs) We're all on a level playing field, sort of. Yeah, it's okay.
1: We can skip all the pleasantries. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But that's what makes it fun for me, too, is I get to learn all this
1: stuff. I know. You know everything. Well, we had therapy with Jeff, so you really know everything.
0: (laughs) Thanks for being here. Yeah. Appreciate it. This is wonderful. I
1: love it. First podcast, probably only podcast.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another episode. Gabby Sternad will finish at Denver Ad School after the fall 2020 quarter. I'm Jeff Ulrey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Therapy with Jeff. I mean, Journey to Ad.